Hello, everybody. Welcome. This is Brett Easton Hell Yes. I'm your host, Katie Wright. This is a new podcast focusing solely on the works of everybody's favorite shit-stirring Gen X author, Brett Easton Ellis. You know him from Less Than Zero. You know him from American Psycho. You know him from saying insensitive things on Twitter. Starting in March, we're going to be releasing an episode every week focusing on a different one of Brett's works. But uh, in the meantime, I wanted to do a little introductory episode. I'm joined in this episode by my good friend and host of the Filmographers podcast on this very network, Major Casts. Uh, And we talk a little bit about some recent slight controversy that Brett got himself into. Uh, And uh, but before we go to that, I just wanted to warn you guys that the audio on this episode is not great um i did my best with it but we had some some technical difficulties uh i think it's still enjoyable to listen to but if you are an audio purist and you just cannot stand to hear uh, some some crackling and some peaking audio uh i would say subscribe skip this episode and then come on back in march when we start releasing our regular episodes which will all sound pristine i promise all right and now let's get into it thank you so much i'm so happy that you had me on even though i have not read a book in eight years <laughs> yeah you have so okay well i guess i'll start with my relationship to brady stanellis i'm very obsessed with him clearly that's why i started this podcast uh i've read all of his books i've read some of them multiple times i'm in the process of rereading all of them for this podcast um and i'm also just very interested in him as a guy and as a cultural figure uh you i feel are like almost equally interested in him except that you have never read any of his books and never will and don't seem interested in ever doing so right yeah <laughs> um okay so let's Lenny let's talk Brett mm-hmm. Brett's in the news yes. <laughs> um, and he is in the news because he came out with one of his patented Brett Easton Ellis hot takes uh on his podcast he said that uh that well what did what did he say basically he said that Black Panther may not I don't think he actually it's being represented like he definitively said that Black Author, Black Panther isn't Oscar material, but I don't think he ever actually said that. He kind of like dances around it and is like, it may or may not be. And he basically says that he hasn't met anyone, which I guess includes himself in uh, L.A., who thinks it's that great a movie and asserts that the idea that it is a great movie is being shoved down our throats by Disney. I think the may or may not part is um, because he recorded this before the nominations came out. Oh, so he was saying it may or may not get a nomination. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I think he was pretty defini- definitively saying that it doesn't deserve a nomination, which honestly, like I don't, I don't really think it deserves a nomination either. Like, I don't think it's a great movie. Um, but, uh, I don't, I don't need to step out in public and make a big announcement about it. Uh, and also, I mean, he says up top on his episode that the Oscars frequently don't celebrate the best movies. And yet, for some reason, Black Panther is the one that he zooms in on to talk about why it doesn't deserve to be nominated. 
Um, yeah, so there are a few different things um, going on in what he said that, that I have uh, would dispute or have arguments with. Um, to me, like, the first thing is, like, I just think, and he sort of acknowledges this, that it's weird how much he's, like, acting like um, it matters how, like, artistically bold it is because that's blatantly just like not what being an Oscar contender is about like Oscar movies are stuff like catch me if you can that no one's going to be like that's such a deep movie that really like challenges the artistry of film and um so I found that really disingenuous and I feel like uh Black Panther fits in pretty well with yeah like I said like catch me if you can or any Oscar type movie you can name because we just had um, The Shape of Water and Moonlight win, it in that sense does sort of feel like a step backwards of like more artistic movies have been winning, but I don't think that's the Oscar tradition in any way. Yeah, and like he didn't bother to say like Green Book doesn't deserve a nomination. A Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, he, um, he just has a weird, a weird fixation on whenever something is celebrated for having like really good representation, he feels like it's being mandated that he personally must love it. And he therefore feels like he personally must like step up and take it down. Um, Yeah. That's like another thing I've heard um, a lot of people, not just Brett make this argument about how Hollywood is obsessed with representation. And I feel like if you want to talk about that, like you have to acknowledge that, that's only true in a very shallow way. Like, they'll come out with, like, Crash and be like, oh, look, we celebrated the race movie Crash. Isn't that amazing and progressive of us? And, again, like, Moonlight is a big exception, and I think, like, a lot of people are wondering whether that will be, like, just a blip or if it's a turning point. Um, But definitely prior to that, um, I think Brett gets at this with it's so annoying when he's like victim culture Um, and he always says it in a tone like he knows he's annoying the way he says it is terrible but he is right that obviously the stuff that wins is stuff like you know boys don't cry or brokeback mountain where it's like why are why did those have to be the the types of representation you zoom in on are these like tragic stories yeah yeah he has a valid point that like if we're seeing uh, a movie about a black woman get celebrated at the Oscars like probably horrible things are happening to that black woman character but then he frames it like that means that like black women are systemically advantaged in in yeah. the film industry right like he says it like he specifically was like um uh talking about how stuff about victimhood uh, gets celebrated and is like, especially black people, especially black women. And then he sort of, um, he like adds a quick note being like, uh, that'll get you supporting actress, which makes it more reasonable. But like before that, he had been talking about Best Picture nominees. And it's like, what about a black woman has gotten a Best Picture nominee? I think the color purple, maybe? But that's the only one I can think of. Yeah. Did Beast of the Southern Wild get... I think that just got actress. Did The Help get a nomination? Oh, that sounds right. Um, while we're on the topic of him saying that a uh, suffering black woman can be a shoe-in for a Best Supporting Actress nomination, I did a little research and crunched a little numbers. So over the past 10 years, um, there are five women nominated for Best Supporting Actress every year. So over the past 10 years, there have been 50 
nominations. Would you like to guess how many of those 50 nominations went to black women? Okay, I'm going to guess five. Ooh, actually, you're a little bit low. You're a little bit low. It's nine. It's nine. Um, three of them were Octavia Spencer. <laughs> and then there are six other uh, black women who received uh, Best Supporting Actress nominations. Um, there's one this year. There were two last year. There were three in 2016. Every other year, there's been zero or one. <laughs> and I also think a really unfortunate thing that happens is that um, when a nomination does happen, people uh, sort of put caveats on it. Like I'm thinking of um, when Ruth Nega was nominated for Loving, everyone was really specifically like, she, no one else, just she stole Amy Adams' nomination for Arrival. Yeah. And like, I think Arrival is a way better movie than Loving, but I don't, I wouldn't say definitively that Amy Adams' performance was better than Ruth Nega's in any way. Last year, um, people were like, Denzel got nominated because of James Franco's Me Too thing. Right. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's There's this whole like underlying layer of assumptions about like who is entitled to receive recognition or a nomination, and then anybody who's not part of that group uh, is is like stealing stealing it from the people who who it rightfully belonged to uh which is dumb <laughs> um so we're coming at Brady Snellis pretty hard right now and rightfully so <laughs> um he i feel like he makes these controversial and bad faith <laughs> poorly thought out statements because he knows that they will get him attention more than because they feel important or necessarily true to him. Yeah, I mean, you can even tell from, like, the fact that it's, like, the top of the podcast. Like, he doesn't want it to get buried in there. And he's just, like, talking about, like, the most relevant SEO thing possible. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I love seeing articles about Brad on my feed, so I'm happy. I do, too. I um, When I decided to do this podcast, I set up a uh, Google alert for Brad Easton Ellis. Uh, and this is the first time that, like, the the alert has actually been about him. Like, up to now, it's just been, like, people briefly mentioning American Psycho in, like, a review of a new book. Um, so, you know, credit where credit's due. He got himself back in the conversation. <laughs> Um, Brett, I, I feel, I felt until recently that Brett had like a, a clinical inability to enjoy any work of art by a black person <laughs> because he like all the, almost any like widely renowned work of art by a black creator, he has come out strongly as against, um, Get Out, uh, Lemonade, um, uh, uh, Fruitvale Station, uh, and I feel like you're not requ you're not required to like any of those things. But if you don't like any of those things and like need to make a big deal about how you don't like them, I, I feel like there's something else going on there. I think like I, um. He he's bad, but I can relate to like I think um, it is really hard when like everyone wants you to like something in a way where it feels very like 
personal and like you're like less than if you don't like it. like um like i remember having this conversation when um uh you didn't like uh inside out i like very idly was like you're a monster without feelings like not really thinking about it just because i liked inside out so much and like your reaction to that was like so clearly like a lot of people had told you that or you had been feeling that way and I was like it felt terrible for saying that and I think like that does happen with uh these like big uh things that everyone loves and like even more so when there's some something to it like as Brett would say ideology oh yeah we haven't talked about his catchphrase yet <laughs> ideology finish, over aesthetics you can finish your thought though yeah um but so uh, in that sense, like, I get why, um, you know, we were talking about he hasn't um, gone after Green Book. And I do understand that, like, even though Green Book's obviously overrated since it's, like, winning a Golden Globe and Oscars and shit, no, like, actual person ever seems like they're pressuring you to enjoy Green Book. Um, so uh, on an emotional level, I do sort of get that experience and why he reacts so strongly to Black Panther. Um, so for Brett, I think there's, like, this perfect storm of like, it does feel really shitty for people to act like you're inferior or stupid or something for not liking the thing everything likes. And then the fact that like, obviously he is effectively being rewarded with attention when he mentions something like Black Panther or Lemonade. Um, and you know, it is to have a career and get people to listen to his podcast important, uh, to get that exposure. And then obviously like the third element in that perfect storm is like, yeah, he's not, gonna connect to art about black people because he's like not just white but like very very wealthy white yeah you know I didn't think about how there is like a direct monetary reason for him to keep coming out with these takes because this yeah like I think his podcast is like his main livelihood like it's the main output he has currently and it's subscriber only um of which I am now one because <laughs> I gotta stay up on them Brett takes um I do it for you America <laughs> um but yeah so he probably even if he wanted to stop uh he, he would have to he would have to really want to stop putting out these takes to think it was worth it to stop yeah I mean I can see how easy it would to be cynical about it and be like, you know, if I discuss what the cinematography was like in this French film I loved, it's obviously not going to get a headline. But if I say Black Panther is being shoved down our throats, it would. Yeah. Bummer. Um, (laughs) Okay, so Brett's, like, catchphrase. uh, I'm not quite sure how long he's been saying this. Um, I kind of dipped out of checking in on him uh, and then checked back in recently. Um, But his new thing is uh, aesthetics versus ideology. This is my favorite phrase because, like, if you're the one coming up with this phrase you get to choose the words and decide how to get people to take you seriously and he is choosing to take ideology the word that means all your morality and all your principles and put it up against aesthetics a word that just means surface level appearances and be like obviously you guys the world is incorrect for putting ideology over aesthetics because it would be it would be so easy to just like come up with a word like you know artistry versus identity politics and you'd be like oh okay yeah artistry is more important but he really like undercuts his own yeah, argument and it's 
always hard to tell with him because he is so deadpan and he's so like image conscious and like aware of his own brand like that being like ideology is garbage aesthetics are all there is is like a very brett easton ellis character type of sentiment yeah and like as we were listening to the recording like the way he says it is like it's our old friend ideology yeah it's at this (laughs) great red impression by the way thank you i love how much he sounds like if i was auditioning for snl and wanted to do red easton ellis (laughs) like it's so amazing uh and he the way he said it it's really like at this point he's tired of this bullshit too (laughs) yeah (laughs) like he doesn't want to be saying ideology versus aesthetics anymore he's like yes yes ideology versus aesthetics again um and yeah i feel like first of all i feel like aesthetics versus ideology hits my ear as like a nonsense phrase (laughs) um why did he choose to say it in this dumb way that he says it yeah i don't know i mean i i think that's just like this is like truly how he approaches things and what's important to him. And I'm sort of like, I'm kind of like trying to, um, to learn to understand that mindset more because I for so long was like very much the opposite. And I guess like still am. So there'll be things like, um, for instance, like breaking bad when that came out, I was like, you know, this is a well-made show. And in terms of like pretty much any, you know, acting, production design, anything you could name, I would be like 10 out of 10. But for me, it was like so hard to think of it as a good show because it didn't feel about anything to me and it didn't really have like characters I connected with. And so it took me like a long time to be like, oh, it is just like an aesthetic achievement that everyone enjoys because it's so well done. Um, So I like, I do think it is an interesting debate to talk about ideology versus aesthetics. Yeah. Yeah, it is it is interesting as a debate. It is less interesting as a blanket statement of like <laughs> of ideology bad, aesthetics good. Um and also I feel like he cho- like he is clearly pushing an ideology of his own, right? That like right, yeah. that yeah, yeah. um representation isn't important he does have an ideology and it comes out a lot in like his podcast and stuff but I do sort of think he is very sincere and like when you hear what movies he likes like I love that he loves Fast and Furious (laughs) and like I love Fast and Furious because they're about family but I do think like one of the reasons they're so appealing to Brett is that so much of it is like we're gonna put like amazing bodies on screen and we're gonna show people doing like visually stunning things and I do think there's a sincerity to how much he's like or and like Fast and Furious is an example like call me by your name there are reasons people connected to that and like I talked to some people who are like I was sobbing in the theater but I think like Brett is very much like call me by your name is a beautiful movie I like that it's a beautiful movie so I do think like he is genuinely sincere and obviously he's like pushing the envelope but I do think there is a part of him that just like doesn't experience the thing other people experience of being like it's thrilling to either see someone like me or just see someone different than what I usually see. Like, that's just not exciting. Yeah, I do think you're right that he's sincere. Uh, And I think that, like, his books are 
really strong evidence for that because I feel like they're very much about like the style of the prose more than they're about character or about like you know larger ideas um and he said on the on the same controversial episode this was the episode that Jay McInerney was the guest on super hot (laughs) would you like to explain what you mean by that (laughs) uh because you know Jay McInerney is just a nice older man Brett's not old by the way he's a little twink um and he'll just take Brett out to nice dinners and put up with Brett's bratty behavior and objectively everyone thinks that one this is what's going on with the relationship. This is canon. And two, that's very hot. Okay, great. Now, uh, <laughs> so on that episode, um, Brett says um, the only the only thing that matters in a book is the, like, authorial voice, like the style of the narration. He's like, plot doesn't matter and character doesn't matter. And Jay McInerney is like, I don't think most readers would agree with that. And Brett was like, no, they wouldn't, but they're wrong. They're only interested in the style of the narration, uh, which I think uh, resonates with me in thinking about the ways that he's written his books uh, and also resonates with me in like the way that he talks about pop culture, the way he discusses pop culture, like... That's why the first 20 pages of Less Than Zero are about various times the author went to the mall. Oh, boy. Um, so, yeah, I was just going to say, like, I think, like, there are definitely times when you, the the insincerity starts to creep in um, because of how, like, inconsistent his arguments are. Like, when he's, like, talking about the culture of victimhood, um, which, again, I think, like, is obviously true, especially in Academy Award winners. Um, you just constantly get stuff like Brokeback Mountain or Boys Don't Cry. And that's like a good point about representation. That is like clearly you care about representation if you're saying, well, they're always victims. But then it's just like he is totally ignoring the fact that that argument doesn't work anymore. Like Moonlight or like Black Panther is obviously about Takala becoming a hero and gaining more power. And even like... Killmonger they very specifically made him not a victim with how things play out for him um but he just like won't update his <laughs> arguments yeah he's hilarious um yeah he talks a lot about victim culture um and he doesn't just do it in relation to movies like he'll do it whenever there is like about like me too which is more <laughs> troubling to hear my overall takeaway is just that, like, you know, we're all rewarding his bad behavior for immediately turning it into clickbait. And maybe if he didn't get attention, he would have some better takes, but also uh, keep those those Brett Easton Ellis news stories in my timeline any way you can. Yeah. I don't care if it's good Brett Easton Ellis attention or bad Brett Easton Ellis yeah, attention. I mean, I'm clearly in no position to say, like, we should stop rewarding him with attention because I'm doing an entire podcast about just him. So this this is what I've signed on for. Let's do it. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, I guess my one last thing is, like, when I guess I don't know, like, 
industry people that much, but I do find it incredibly disingenuous that he's like, no one here really thinks Black Panther's a great movie because I'm like, I don't know. There were months and months when I could not talk to someone without them being like, have you seen Black Panther? It's a great movie. And he also says that it's being shoved <laughs> down a throat. So which Yeah, that's a great point. Okay, if I'm, if I can play Brett's advocate, at least on that, maybe he's saying that like no one in Hollywood thinks it's a good movie, but everyone in Hollywood is committed to like rewarding it and praising it to look good. Yeah, I th- I mean, there is definitely like stuff going on with Disney that is not on the level because you like if you look up. Marvel movies uh, or like Star Wars movies on Rotten Tomatoes it's like everything is like a 98 and definitely they should not all be getting 98s and there was that big story that broke where they were like not letting certain critics go to screenings anymore so I think if he had focused more on like that it would be like yeah obviously uh Marvel movies there's stuff going on that is not legit but like the fact that he um, you know, is really, I mean, I guess he's zeroing in on Black Panther because it's the one that got an actual nomination as opposed to their other, uh, movies that just get, like, good reviews and stuff, but, um, yeah, I, I kind of feel like I would buy it more if he, like, zeroed in more on the, like, Disney aspect because it is definitely suspect. Yeah, for sure. But this is, like, what he does. Like, he might find something, he, he'll, like, start to hit on something that he has a genuine good point about, but then he just finds, like, the exact wrong angle on it. He's like, how yeah. can I turn this into me punching down? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's still like Spider-Man Homecoming because a 20-year-old boy is shirtless in it, so. Oh, Lenny. We have our problems with Brett. But it's not all bad. <laughs> we just revisited this old funnier die sketch called Brett Easton Ellis Presents All That Glitters. It's by Seth oh, Morris, right? Oh, that's right. It is by Seth Morris. Uh, and it's a, it's a trailer. It, it's a fake trailer for an upcoming CW show based on a non-existent Brett Easton Ellis novella. Yeah, I cannot believe this exists because... Uh, and I guess I want to, I should be best friends with Seth Morris because those are like my two biggest interests. And they just like nail it so much. Like they care so deeply about both the CW and Brady Stanellis. It's not a shallow parody. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, you know, there's two there's two brothers. One of them is what does he do? He's like an investment banker or something. Yeah, and then the other one is a club owner yeah, slash DJ. Uh, the, the investment banker is like the the bad boy because he's a serial killer, and then the club owner slash DJ is the sensitive one, and he's also a serial killer. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's like the the only part of it that's like genuinely where you're like oh okay they elevated a little bit before that you're like this is a cw yeah and also is a brett easton ellis is a brett easton ellis novel like it it makes me mad that there's not a cw show based on a brett easton ellis work yet because it makes so much sense it fits so perfectly should be okay lenny i know that the majority of your Brett Easton Ellis knowledge, uh, if not all, is secondhand from me. But which of his properties do you think would make the best uh, CW show? Um, I think probably Rules of Attraction because it's just like young people and the world is fairly normal. I'm thinking of like classic CW. Obviously now they've turned 
quite a bit into like sci-fi um but yeah the gossip girl 90210 era definitely was yeah, a good track. i guess maybe currently like glamorama because that's yeah. just basically a slightly more serious zoolander <laughs> it's like <laughs> gritty zoolander reboot which i could definitely see current cw doing <laughs> Or if they just zoomed in on the part of Informers about a rock star vampire. Yes, for sure. And get Brandon Routh back in there. Yes. Brandon was supposed to play the rock star vampire in the film Informers, and he was cut out. And that's one of the great injustices of my life, personally. Um, but yeah, so this parody is, like, so dead on. They, they like, perfectly get, like, the um, the aesthetic where, like, all the girls who are supposed to be super rich look like they're in like forever 21 outfits that are like uh like eighth grade bar mitzvah's idea of what bitchy rich girls wear and then all the guys are like in like suits that like your uncle would wear <laughs> it's so good it's so detailed yeah and there there aren't that many like hard jokes most of the joke is like how much it seems like a real cw show based on a Brady Stinell's book and then there's like slight exaggerations like there's a girl who she, uh dakota johnson is like my character's uh family invented electricity so she's very wealthy they own the patent, own the patent for electricity <laughs> and amanda crew is rich off a roofie fortune <laughs> which i realized like oh yeah like rohypnol is a drug like somebody somebody is rich off a roofie fortune yeah, that's a real thing fair enough <laughs> and like i don't know about electricity but i don't know maybe somebody does own the patent for that yeah there aren't that many hard jokes but one of the hard jokes is the most lenny burnham hard joke of all time you don't listening. you don't know what i'm gonna say next when amanda crew says <laughs> oh yes yeah amanda crew says what did she say exactly that brett easton ellis is she's like she's like brett easton ellis i mean his books are amazing and i can't even read another one of the hard jokes is like i feel like there's like a specific type of wealthy gay guy who is just obsessed with making treme <laughs> jokes and i don't know why because no one else gives a shit about treme but there's like a joke where brett's like all sorts of shows like this were coming out, you know, Gossip Girl, Dirty Sluts, Treme. <laughs> it's such a fucking weird joke that doesn't fit with the yeah, rest the of the sketch. The only sked. people I've ever heard talk about Treme are uh, Brady Sinellis and then characters like written by Ryan Murphy. That's, yes! I would not know that show existed otherwise. And so we get to see Brett on screen. Oh, Yeah, so I think cute. this might be his only acting gig oh yeah you're right it is i just looked at his imdb because i was um look i'm not above admitting that i'm thinking about making an entourage spec script about Hell yeah, Ellis. Baby. <laughs> yeah he seems pretty like tangibly uncomfortable in all that glitters it's, it's so really cute. adorable he's such a nerd yeah it's like it's so funny because he's so like the like bad boy of the literary world and is like like relatively cool like he always has like opinions about hip-hop and stuff um and then like you remember like oh yeah the cool bad boy of the literary world is of course still gonna be a huge dream <laughs> yeah, he's cool like relative to jonathan franzen and jay mackiner yes <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> uh i was just thinking how like just like it's just so adorable and funny because like he's everything about his persona is like so confident like it's all about like stridently being like black panthers being shoved down our throats but like watching all that glitters and even like 
listening to the podcast is like, oh, you're like just a guy who's just like, hey, guys, thanks for listening to my taste. Yeah, totally. And even like the intro part of the Bready Stanellis podcast is like a lot more strident than the rest of the podcast. When the parts where he's actually like in conversation with another person, he's like, he seems like a totally pleasant guy. And like if somebody like puts forward a viewpoint that seems like contrary to his own viewpoint he's like pretty good about being like oh yeah good point like uh on the episode like laura jane grace was on an episode and he was like so what do you he was like trying to get her to rail against political correctness um because the title of her memoir is a transphobic slur um and he was like so what do you given that that's the title of your book like what do you think about political correctness and she was like well so far as it uh can just be used to mean treating people respectfully i would say i am in favor of it and he was like oh well yeah yeah of course of course (laughs) yeah it's interesting because it's like like the like even though he's not a performer the like hot take i don't care about anything brett is like as distinctly different as like when you see a musician on stage versus when you're just hanging out yeah, with them. Absolutely. That's a good that's a good analogy. Like the the hot take Brett is, is very much like a constructed persona. Um and it was even more so when he was an active Twitter user. <laughs> I really miss his t- the Twitter feed component of his persona cuz so much of his tweets would just kind of be about like I'm just I'm just doing a bunch of coke and then I'm gonna hang out with Eli Roth later it was just like making himself sound like he partied and had like a lot of famous friends a lot which was like so much more enjoyable than hearing him like rail against uh, Octavia Spencer getting another nomination (laughs) um do we have any more thoughts no I think I'm good I uh when when we were listening to that podcast clip and then when we were watching out that glitter all that glitters. I was like, I have so much to say, but I think I managed right, to hit on all nice of it. work. Well, Lenny, thank you so much for being here. Thank the- you for yeah. asking me <laughs> on. And we're going to be hearing from you again in the future because you are going to be the guest on uh, our episode about the canyons. Nice. Cannot yeah. wait to talk about Nolan Funstick. <laughs> uh, I can't wait to talk about... No, I don't have anything. Oh, oh boy. I was going <laughs> to say something fun, and then my brain just locked up. Also, Nolan Funk stick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So, guys, please, if you liked this conversation, if you like Bretty Stanellis, if you hate Bretty Stanellis, uh, uh, subscribe. Subscribe to this podcast. As far as I can tell, it's the only Bretty Stanellis fan podcast in existence if there's another one please let me know about it i would love to listen i'm at katie l right on twitter uh you guys we'll be back in march with our first episode which is going to be about the novel less than zero so uh until then keep them hot takes coming baby